Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. One of these days, the tape is going to come off our aisles and the masks are going to come off our faces. I think that was a prophecy. Sweetheart, could you throw me my water, please? Just in case the sermon's dry. <laughs> Kelly had, uh, had to deal with some of the complications of COVID and this week she began doing her lunges again, which was a big step forward. <laughs> Somebody got that. Lunge, big step forward? Okay. <clears throat> Spare me. <clears throat> hey, um, it's true that the Lord is exposing things, and it's just begun, and it's because people have prayed. All over the, all over the nation, all over the land, I'm seeing so much intercession and prayer taking place. And uh, I think the result is going to be churches full, uh, stadiums full, altars full, people's lives full, that hell will be plundered and hell will be populated because of the prayers of the people of God. I've got a really encouraging so let me get into that eventually here. I um, want to welcome everybody online, wherever you're, wherever you're at. We're here, and you're there, so there it is. I want to thank Stephen and Peter and some of the others that... Uh, last month, we were able to minister on uh, stewardship. It was really, really, really good. And so I want to talk today about seeing. And, um, and I was, uh, excuse me, I was um, really encouraged with reading Psalm 120, verse 1, uh, this week. It'll stop in a minute. That's okay. I, it, it, he says, I, I called, and the, and the word doesn't, it doesn't have a specific tense, the verb called doesn't have a specific tense. It means both past and present. <clears throat> I called on the Lord. He heard me and saved us from lying lips and deceiving tongues. Our plumb line is the word of God. If you're using any other measurement for truth in the land, you're going to be confused. If you use culture, you'll be really confused. Um, our plumb line will be the scriptures and the word of God. My exhortation is to be in the word regularly, lots of it, consume it as much as you can. It's our only, our only safeguard against um, deception. I love, I love freedom of speech. And, um, and as I reflected on that, I feel it's really important that people are free to speak um, I, I love freedom of choice. I believe that it's the great um, uh, part of being a follower of Christ, that we can make our own decisions. And that essentially boils, boils down to I love freedom. So I'm able to say some things this morning because I just happen to be on the microphone, but what you have to say is just as important as what I have to say. And uh, I want to support your right to be able to say what you want to say. And I hope in turn you'll allow me to say what I want to say. And don't be surprised if my opinions get mixed up with my message, okay? Is it a surprise? 
Someone had emailed me a few weeks ago and said, wow, you sure got opinions. I said, well, newsflash, so do you. <laughs> Who doesn't have opinions, right? All have opinions. They're, just, they're like socks. Some just smell different than others. <clears throat> so we all have. And, and I just need us to help to, to, that the Lord would open our eyes. And, uh, and I pray today that he'll open our eyes to a, uh, this huge dimension. I want to minister on the kindness of God. And... Um, and I think sometimes our image of God gets marred because of the people that represent him. And um, I think that many times our issue uh, is, a, is a form of spiritual blindness. Um, when people ask me if the glass is half full or half empty, I say, well, it sort of depends on how you look at it because it really is the first half is water, the next half is air, it's still full. Depends how you look at things and how you see things. And so I want us to turn in Scripture to 2 Tim, uh, Samuel chapter 9. And I'm going to share the, the whole chapter, if you can believe it. And, uh, and I want us to be able to understand a little bit better what God is like. And your image of God has such a huge bearing on how you act and I need an ongoing revelation of the goodness and the kindness of God. Ongoing. Our, our role in learning is not just finding things that support how, what we believe. The role in learning is to continue to evolve in the way we think and believe. It can end up that we live in a kind of an echo chamber and we only allow in that chamber the things that agree with us. Uh, I know, in reading Adam Grant's book, Think Again, I know um, he's really challenged me to rethink some things. He said, the great skill of the future is not going to be the ability to learn, but the ability to relearn. Because it's very difficult for people to learn who think that they already know, myself included. And so, one of the questions he says, what have you learned in the last 12 months? And I hope <clears throat> that we have learned some things in the last 12 months. If you haven't, it was kind of a waste of a year and a so-called pandemic. What have you learned? I've learned a lot of things, and um, the, the, the least of which is I've learned I, my, I have a very low level of tolerance, and I know that my God has a high level of tolerance. So I need to make some adjustments. <laughs> he, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. So guess who he needs to change? <clears throat> This is, like a, this is like a thing. And, um, and uh, Adam says this. He says, among those with the highest IQ are the least likely to change because they are so convinced of their own perspective and their own view. It could very easily be today that the Holy Spirit wants you to have a fresh revelation of who he is. Very easily could be that. None of you have to agree with what I have to say. You're never, you're never forced to do that. But maybe it'll inspire you or intrigue you to dig a little deeper into the Scripture and see what the Scriptures say about who God is. And hopefully, when we see his kindness, it'll cause us to be more kind to others. Hopefully. That's my hope. Uh, looking in this passage in uh, chapter 9, it's really one of my favorite stories. And reading it, uh, I think last week, <clears throat> I began to feel particularly challenged more and more about the message of who these characters are for me. Um, 
We're told one of the foundations of our faith in, in Hebrews chapter 6 is the repentance of dead works. <clears throat> That's an interesting phrase for me. It doesn't say, and repentance means to change your mind. If you're not willing to repent um, and change your mind, uh, that means that you're unable to grow. We need to keep our, our ability to continue to learn. He says the repent, one of the basic things, repentance of dead works and faith in God. <clears throat> this is like a foundation. The ability to continue to evolve in our thinking. To continue to catch a fresh revelation of who God is for us. It doesn't say repentance from evil works. Don't need to change your mind about evil works. You already know they're evil. Lie and cheat and steal and run with women who do. <clears throat> we already know that. But it's, re it's repentance from dead works. Things that are dead produce more dead things. So our image of God, it may be a, it may, we may actually have a wrong image of God and we need to repent of the thing that's dead because it doesn't cause us to have the life in Christ that we've been invited to. I'm going to talk about the goodness and the kindness of God. First, Second Samuel chapter 9. <clears throat> One day David began wondering if anyone in Saul's family was still alive. For he had promised Jonathan that he would show kindness to them. And he summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba said. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? And if so, I want to show kindness to them in any way I can. Um, oh, okay. I, I, I bolded it and italicized kindness, so... That's what I've done in my, in my Bible as well. Kindness. <clears throat> okay, is anyone still alive from the family of Saul? If so, I want to show him kindness. <clears throat> Pardon me. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he's crippled. Where is he, the king asked, in Lodibar? Ziba told him, at the home of Maker, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Maker's house. His name was Mephibosheth. And he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. Those are important notes. When he came to David, he bowed low in grave fear and said, I am your servant. But David said, don't be afraid. <clears throat> I've asked you to come so that I can be kind to you. Third time the word kind is used. Jonathan, to Jonathan. I've been uh, so, so, oh, sorry. Uh, then I can be kind to you because of my vow to your father. Jonathan, I will give you all the land that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you may live here with me at the palace. <clears throat> Mephibosheth fell to, his, fell to the ground before the king. Should the king show his, such kindness to a dead dog like me? He exclaimed. I'll read the rest a little bit later. Emphasis, four times the words kindness is used in this passage. What's he trying to emphasize? Kindness. Who does the king represent? The king. Who does the cripple represent? You and I. That's the story. It's a story about Christ's redemptive power in the life of those of us who don't deserve. Uh, I want to read a passage from Colossians chapter 1 and verse 6. It says this. <clears throat> it says, this same good news that came to you is going out 
over all the world. It's changing lives everywhere, just as it's changed yours that very first day you heard and understood the truth about God's great kindness towards sinners. Kindness. God's great kindness. I love that. Titus chapter 3, and you should read the whole first eight verses, but I'm just going to say this. Verse 6, but then God our Savior showed us his kindness and his love. He saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Holy Spirit upon us because of what Jesus Christ, our Savior, did. He declared us not guilty because of his great kindness. I want you to say that God is kind. The kindness of God will transform the way that you pray. It'll transform the way that you walk and learn and live, and it'll transform you. His kindness. It's such a powerful theme. The word, the Hebrew word that's word is, is chesed, and it's like, a, it's like grace and kindness and mercy all wrapped up together. The story of Mephibosheth is a powerful picture of how God treats sinners and cripples like you and I. <clears throat> the second thing, theme is, is the kingship of David. Um, Jesus doesn't mind to be called a, coming from the son of David, from the lineage of David. Doesn't mind being called out. But it's a picture of the son of David, Jesus Christ, who through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension on the throne, uh, now dispenses his inheritance and his kindness to cripples like you and I. <clears throat> it's important to note, this was not a sympathetic search for a disabled boy. David wasn't moved with compassion. Say, how can I help somebody in a wheelchair? He said, is there anyone of family? Because why? Because I've made a promise. There was a covenant in place. Got to hear this. This is for all of us today. God has made a promise. He has made covenant with you and I. Not because of what we could do not because of what we are doing, but because of his kindness towards us. It's because of his promise. He's not moved with compassion because of our sinfulness. He's, he's, not, uh, that, he's not this doting father that just wants to lift somebody up but can't lift himself up. He is made, he's bound by a covenant. He's bound by a promise. <clears throat> and the result is, you and I get to enjoy that inheritance. <clears throat> it's important to note this because otherwise you'd think it's because of something that we're like rather than something who he is. He is kind. He is good. It's important to look back to chapter 4 of what happened to Mephibosheth. It says Saul, Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. In chapter 4, verse 4. He was crippled. As a child, he was five years old when Saul and Jonathan were killed at the battle of Jezreel. And when news of the battle reached the capital, the child's nurse grabbed him and fled. But she fell and dropped him as she was running, and he became crippled as a result. If it happened, somebody's been dropped. You have to identify and understand with this a little bit at first, <laughs> because you and I have all been dropped. <laughs> 
We'd like to make ourselves look all pretty and figure that we can get to the table ourselves. But the fact is, unless the servant goes out, the Holy Spirit gets sent out and finds us. See, the, the Spirit has gone out. The servant has gone out. He's looking for those who are in relationship with Jonathan or Saul. He's looking for someone in relationship that's had a, that, because he's trying to fulfill his covenant. And what's taking place, nothing good that we can do, but we can respond to the invitation of the Holy Spirit who's gone out. It's because this is going right now. This is happening not just here. It's going all over the world. The servant's been sent out. He's searching. God's heart is searching. Is anybody's heart turned towards me? This morning, if, you've, if you will allow and you've not responded to the Holy Spirit, he will welcome you back to the table. <clears throat> it's a beautiful promise. David couldn't show kindness to Jonathan. Jonathan's gone. So he looks for someone in relationship. Has nothing to do with his deservedness. Because of Jesus, he gives what we don't deserve in his grace, and in his mercy, he gives what we don't deserve. What, where is he? Well, he's in, he's in Lodabar. Lodabar means no bread. He's in the place of no hope. He's in the place of no vision. He's in the, the place of no food. He's just hardly getting by. But there's a place being set at the table for him. He doesn't know this. All he's got to go on is stories from his grandfather and his father. And if he's listened to the stories of his grandfather, he would say that David is a, uh, an outlaw. David sat at the table of the king. He got spears thrown at him at that table. See what he's doing? He's reversing the whole story. He's turning it all around. But he would, if he listened to the stories of his dad, Jonathan would say, no, no, David's a good man. What stories would he have heard? The reason why he was so fearful when he came into David's presence is because he's heard stories. What's David like? What happens when a king actually takes over a country, he gets all the plunder. So all of the land that he gives to Mephibosheth, he got from Saul because Saul had to surrender all of the land. I'm talking to people who have not yet received some of their inheritance that's been purchased because of the plunder of the great king. Some of us have been living at Lodabar, a place without vision, place without hope. So all we do is grumble and complain, hide away at Lodabar, the place with no bread, and we just get by. But, the, but here's the good news, is the servant has been sent out, and he's looking for somebody who's willing to respond to the invitation of the king, because there's a place of provision, and a place of inheritance, and a place that's provided in the palace if they're willing to respond to the servant. It's great news. What a great story of the kindness and the goodness of God. Ziba goes and gets him. I don't know if any of you ever had to go to the principal's office or not. I had to go there a lot. Me and Marilyn, I guess that's it. I ended up in the principal's office a lot. And you, you sort of wonder what's going to happen now. Because in my day, we had the strap. Most of you didn't. You had the strap too? Yeah. Well, you deserved it. That's different. You did? Okay. I'm choking. <laughs> we all deserve it. I got the strap. I got the yardstick. I got everything. <clears throat> What do, you think, what do you think Mephibosheth is feeling? He's feeling, hmm, I'm being called into the principal's office. Because he just lives like what? Like I'm a nobody. Like I'm just a cripple. Like I'm just an outcast. Like I'm just disabled. He's living below what is on his, that's coming to him. <laughs> how do you think he felt? How, how would it have been like, David didn't know he was crippled. How would it have been like for him to bow down low? Because the last verse says he was crippled in both feet. It wasn't hop along. 
drag along. Are you hearing me? None of you can get to the table. None of us can get to the table. <laughs> but, but the servant's been sent out. And we're living in Lodabar when there's a place at the palace. <clears throat> Jesus. I hope I can preach this properly. Uh, <clears throat> what's your image of the king like? He says, don't be afraid. I love that. Don't be afraid. Because he bowed down low. He says, I'm your servant. I've asked you to come so I can be kind to you. Some of us, when we come before the presence of the Lord, I think we grovel. Instead of coming boldly to the throne of grace to find help. When? When do we come? In a time of need. You can go anytime, you know. And it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of kindness. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> he says, so interesting that not only did he eat at the table. If you look a little bit further ahead in chapter 21, the king asked, he says, I need, to, I need you. They were having a discussion in chapter 21. And David ended up protecting Mephibosheth when the king asked for some people for a sacrifice. He said, no, no, Mephibosheth's mine. Some of you think you're in danger these days. You forget about the king. You forget about the level of protection that we've been offered. I mean, it's like it's mind-blowing. If you can get a vision of it and you can get to the table, you'll be able to eat in the palace rather than eat in a place of no vision and no hope, disappointment, disability. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, God demonstrated his love towards us when we were yet sinners, when we were yet crippled. That's how he did. Um, in this, in this great, I enjoyed the book. It's a secular guy, but, but, but Adam Grant, he, he reminds us about thinking again. And, um, and I, I thought quite a bit about that question about what have you learned in the last 12 months. Um, I suppose that the <clears throat> foundation of learning might be intellectual humility where we actually are able to confess that maybe we don't know what we think we know. That probably would be a description of wisdom, being aware of the things that you don't know. There's still some things for us to learn. Do you have a revelation of the kindness of God? Uh, do, we, do we clearly understand that there are some things, probably the hardest thing is not to learn, but to relearn? Maybe this morning you need to relearn about the kindness and the goodness of God. Um, it's a good time to have second thoughts. <clears throat> um, in, in 2011, it says that we consume five times the information that we did 25 years ago. Information. Do you know what we? You know what happens? This power of repetition. If you if you actually are repeatedly told a lie, it'll start to sound like the truth to you. Did you know that? Repetition will make it the other way around with truth. <laughs> you ultimately believe a lie if you repeat the truth long enough. It doesn't work. But if you if you repetition is so powerful, and if you if you hear it and hear it and hear it, I'm not I'm not saying what you think I'm saying. If you see it on billboards. If you hear it on the news, if you hear it in tabloids and you read it on Google, just, just reinforce, if you, a deception repeated becomes a truth for us. Maybe our greatest skill in the days ahead will be relearning, not learning. Unlearning some things so we can learn some new things. <clears throat> it says that, in 1950, it took 50 years for knowledge in medicine to double. In 1980, it took seven. By 2010, it took just over three years for information to double. Anyone aware that the days we live in, information is doubling? 
moment by moment. Re research shows that the higher the IQ, the more likely we fall for stereotypes. When we have, when we have the, one of the things about our beliefs is um, um, when something sounds good and we've heard it long enough, uh, we begin to protect that belief. Doesn't matter if it's false. Anybody hear the story of the frog in the kettle? Frog in the frying pan? Yeah, it's not true. Did you know that? Well, we've heard it, it sounds interesting. When you throw a frog, just think about it. Throw a frog in boiling water, he jumps out, and he's scalded. And you slowly turn it up, he'll jump out. Try the experiment. Go get a frog, all you saddest. It, 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 it's proven not to be true, but we like it. So then we protect it. And it sounds so nice and so cliche, and it fits in with our beliefs, so oh, it's, we hold it so dear. So cute, the little frog in the hot water. So cute. Just a lie. Help us, Lord. Um, Jesus said, what you look for, you'll find. Our biases will prevent us from seeing with eyes of heaven. We either, confirmation bias, we see what we expect, or the desirability uh, bias is we see what we want to see. Or the, or the best one is I don't have any biases. <laughs> Oh, we're just a bunch of cripples. <clears throat> Only if I'm honest and am I teachable, am I able to rethink, am I able to repent. The foundation is repentance of dead works. In the last 12 months, I've been surprisingly aware of how impatient I am with other opinions. I've been surprising how quick I will post something because it instantly agrees with my bias. I'm the only one that's guilty of that. I'm surprised not only my lack of tolerance, but my lack of love for the other people's perspective. I'm a cold-hearted bigot. It's difficult to admit that maybe the other side has something to say. And even if they don't, they've got the breath of God in their lungs. Give them at least the time of day if you want to be heard, maybe you need to begin by listening. I'm not, I'm, I'm not preaching to you today. I'm preaching to me. I was surprised how quick I am to judge. I'm surprised how quick I am to anger. I'm surprised my lack of acceptance when I know that I've been accepted, not based on what I do. I'm surprised at how impatient I am when I know how patient God is with me. You and I are meant to be kind people. How does that all fit in with everything? I'm not preaching about that at all. I'm just talking about kindness today. Kindness of God. I think it's possible to pray a sinner's prayer and have assurance of eternity without changing the way we think. Maybe we're more like Mephibosheth than we think. Maybe, maybe we can't get to the table unless we got some help. The invitation's open. What about getting to the table? Um, uh, dead works are things that we think will make us more acceptable to God. Do you pray because you think you'll be more acceptable to God if you pray? It's a dead work. Do you come to church because you hate it? Dead work. If you come to church because you want to worship and get closer to God and hear what the Bible says about something, that's a good work. And you and I have been created in Christ for good works. 
Somebody asked me once, he says, is it better to be sitting in a bar and thinking about church than sitting in church and thinking about a bar? Good works, dead works. We're being created for good works. But if you think some of the things that you can do will make you more acceptable to God than you already are, it's a dead work. I'm just saying that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is mind-blowing. And after that, that's a process of the renewing of our mind. Um, I want to get my life back on track. I want to know what God says about stuff. I want to get into the presence of God, then come to church. We learn a lot. This last year, I've learned a lot of what I think about others, what I think about myself, and lastly, what I think about God. My last point. It says Mephibosheth fell to the ground for the king. And should the king show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servants, Ziba. He said, I've given your master's grandson everything that, he, that belonged to Saul. Everything that belonged to Saul and his family. I've given him everything. Everything. So it's important that you hear that. Sometimes you think there's a few things that you may have missed out on because you have to do something to get those things. I'm just saying everything. All authority, Jesus says, has been given unto me. Everything. Everything. Right? All right. So he says this, and then he says, you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for his family, but Mephibosheth will live here with me in the palace. I don't know if you... We're not just meant to live in a palace. We're meant to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've got a throne room position. That's an upgrade, man, from cattle class. (laughs) Ziba who had 15 sons and 20 servants, replied, yes, my Lord, I will do all you commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly with David as though he were one of his own sons. (sighs) You're not just an adoptee, a cripple from a foreign land that's a little bit disabled. I love, I heard somebody say, and the tablecloth covered his feet. Oh, the grace of God. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. Nice name. And from then on, all of the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, moved to Jerusalem to live at the palace. And one day you and I will live in a new Jerusalem. More than just the palace in Jerusalem, we will live in a new Jerusalem. I don't know if you know or not, but the power of God is the gospel. It's such good news. It's such good news. My last point. The word Mephibosheth means the extermination of of idols. We're living in the day where idols are coming down. Our mindsets can become idols. The repentance process requires an extermination of idols. How you think of yourself, how you think of others, and how you think of God. Four times, he says, eat at my table. He fell to the ground. Should the king show kindness to a dead dog, a person of no value? Listen to me, people. I'm just going to get the band to come back up. People of, people of no value. People who feel you're of no value. I'm talking to all of us today. You feel that there's something slightly marred about you. There's something a little bit disfigured about you. That there's something that disqualifies you. That there's something you done, done, did, that took place in your life that's disqualified you from the king's palace. There's, 
There's something that's marred about you. There's something unhealthy about you that somewhere in your soul you think, I don't deserve to be in the king's presence. I don't deserve to be in the palace. I don't deserve to be eating with a king. But my God said there's something different, that we're all crippled in both feet, and none of us could get to the palace. Doesn't matter how much we tried. We need the servant to bring us along. We need the Holy Spirit to carry us into the presence, up to the table, and let the tablecloth cover our feet. I'm speaking to somebody today. For many people, you may feel a bit dysfunctional. You may feel that you're just used goods. You may feel that you did something that disqualified you from the table. And I'm here to tell you that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Maybe you've had a bad go. Maybe you've had a hit. Maybe you feel a bit disfigured. Maybe you feel that you're a, a little bit too disappointed. And maybe you feel a bit too discouraged. But I'm here to tell you today that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've came from. It doesn't matter that you don't feel that you're good enough. The servant's been sent out and there's a place at the table. That's the good news. Thank you, Father. The, you may feel like there's a low grade of shame. You may feel like you've been cursed, that this disease has followed my family line. The message today is not about your relative goodness, it's about God's goodness and His kindness. You were young, you were five years old and you got dropped. You didn't have any control over it. Someone was meant to carry you, and cover you, and protect you, but instead they dropped you. My heart breaks for the innocent children that have been abused. And the amount of dysfunction and when they didn't have a chance, didn't have a choice. I still believe that a life is a life and abortion is murder. Didn't have a choice. Been dropped. Someone was meant to carry you. Someone was meant to cover you and cuddle you and nurture you. You missed out on that. But I just want to tell you today that the servant's been sent and there's a place at the table. No one's disqualified from the table. I love... John 14, where Jesus said, I'm going to go and prepare a place. There's a place prepared. You might feel overlooked. You might feel you've been discarded. You might feel that you don't deserve. And if we all look hard enough, we'll all feel that way. But a servant's been sent. And the Holy Spirit is searching now. This is a private matter because it deals with us, our, our souls. There's levels of shame that get hidden. And we think that now that's how we're meant to act. And I'm just saying that Mephibosheth wouldn't have felt, I don't, what, why, do, why do I get to be at the table? This is the good news. This is the power of the gospel. It's not because of what you've done. It's because of what he's done. I'm going to pray for people. 
been a place of pain, you feel like you're no longer connected to a family, been rejected. I just feel the heart of God today for people who have been left out and have been overlooked. Family didn't treat you the way you were. they were meant to. They just you just got dropped. God's here to restore all that's been stolen. I want to remind you there's a place at the table. Father, you told me this morning that you would turn and you'd reverse blessing for curses. So we're just going to dim the lights and I'm going to pray for people privately here. It's maybe not specifically even what I've said, but there might have been a thread or two that you go, ooh, maybe that's me. This morning the Lord said he's going to turn it. I want you, if that's you, to just stand up quickly as a, as a sign of faith. Just feel it. Something's been... Thank you. Father, I'm just not going to push it. I'm just going to let it. Father, you feel that there's something disabled, something disconnected, always felt a little bit odd, even not comfortable in your own body or not comfortable in your own place. It's just the mercy of God today. Lord, today, praying for those misplaced lives that have wondered where do we fit. These things that I feel inside, am I really okay? Do you really love me? Are you really kind? Are you really good? Father, today, we command these lies that 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 because of what I've done, I've disqualified for the good things of God. That lie, I command it to shrivel and die in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would show every individual here today that, they're, that they, it's not what they deserve, but there's a place that's been reserved for them at the table. And today, Lord, we turn mourning into dancing. Spirit of God, I ask that you reverse the lies that have been lodged in the heart of men and women because of those who are meant to protect them. Instead, they drop them. And from this day forward, they'll feel carried and not dysfunctional and not disabled. God, I declare today over the hearts of men and women all over here this morning that they will feel the supernatural kindness and the goodness and the greatness of our God. And from this day forward, they will feel like they belong. From this day forward, they'll feel that they're not damaged goods. From this day forward, they'll not feel rejected. From this day forward, they will feel loved like the, uh, the son and daughter of a king in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Stand to your feet with me, would you please? I, I just, I, I want to pray for a couple of uh, people and then we're going to be dismissed. And um, if you want prayer, I want you to come up quickly. I'll sanitize my hands. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.